Now, Prof, let's start with Africa's vaccination drive. A tiny proportion of uh, the continent's population has been covered, so to speak, vaccinated. What threats does this pose? You know, as you know, the the way out of this pandemic in the main is really trying to achieve what we call so-called herd immunity, and that is trying to vaccinate as large a proportion of the, the populations in each country. Um, so, for example, in South Africa, we've set a target of about 67% of our population should be vaccinated in order for us to, to limit transmission. So if we do not achieve that, and we cannot achieve herd immunity primarily through so-called um, the, the resurgences, then I'm, I'm afraid the the um, infection could continue to transmit and become um, endemic, which is problematic, really, if you think about um, traveling, if you think about open economies and so forth, that will have uh, quite a severe um, effect. And of course, if large proportions of people still continue to be infected, then the effect is on the health system, for example, and that includes the healthcare workers, um, the infrastructure, if it's not ready, the capacity around oxygen. So all these particular factors um, can certainly be affected if we don't um, get to vaccinate as large a proportion of, of the population as possible. Now, Prof, people, some people have not been fully vaccinated, meaning that they've only gotten received the one jab and are still waiting to get the second jab. How does that work in terms of they are, their vulnerability to, to getting the, the virus? Yes, yeah, so it's quite interesting that, you know, the design, the initial design of the, especially one or two of the vaccines where you do need um, to be vaccinated, uh, to receive two um, vaccinations, is that the initial um, vaccine does give some level of protection, but the second then, of course, boosts that and you get you know, near to close um, protection. However, some, because of pragmatic reasons, you know, for example, in the UK, they decided to extend that to Initially, it was for 21 days before you uh, needed to receive your second um, vaccination, but that was extended to 42 days. And the evidence does show that, in fact, you can still uh, receive still a fairly great degree of, of protection by receiving it 42 days later. So provided that, you know, that extension, based on pragmatic reasons, is not extended beyond that, I think we would still get a level of protection. But however, if people do not return um, for their second vaccine, then they're not going to be fully protected. That means they are susceptible um, to infection, and that means that that whole cycle of being um, infected and transmitting infections will then um, continue. Now, Prof, the, the question around the emergence of new variants uh, remains. Uh, what do we need to understand about their impact on vaccines? Yeah, so the variants can be, I suppose, put into two categories, variants of concern and variants of variants of interest. I think we, our main focus is really on the variants of concern. And this is where, and as you know, the, the virus mutates naturally anyway. Um, mm. But as it um, transmits and in our communities, of course, um, it has to adapt um, in terms of what it encounters with re- regard to immune responses. So what we've observed, especially with the variants of concern, are viruses that have um, obtained mutations that allow it to transmit fairly rapidly and effectively. And of course, in combination, not in all cases, in combination with uh, immune escape, if you like. So those are the, that's the primary concern that we have. And so if we've developed vaccines that are geared towards, if you like, a wild type, but now you have a variant that has escaped, and of course, the level of 
effectiveness of this vaccine may well be affected. However, it would appear that in the main, for those variants of concern, we do have some levels of protection against, especially um, severe disease. And of course, as we come across these particular variants, it will be important for us to adapt our vaccine. So you may have what are called booster uh, vaccinations in order to counter some of those particular um, problems. So I think um, in the main, I think we can be concerned, but I think that there are ways in which we can um, counter these particular variants of concern. Now, the third wave is really not much of a surprise. It was expected looking at um, countries uh, in the southern region, for instance, going into the winter months like South Africa. Do you think that uh, with uh, hospitals and systems in place, the, the approach might be a lot better than it was in the beginning, whereas, uh, uh, you know, hospital systems are in place and not running out of oxygen? Yes, so there are two things. One is, in the case of South Africa, is a good example where you have so-called modelling systems which show that at least the third wave should not be to the same extent as the second wave. However, it's important that we prepare appropriately in terms of our hospital capacity, in terms of oxygen supplies and bed capacity. And of course, you know, um, the availability of vaccine, what is the strategy? So, for example, if there's a strategy that, for example, protects the healthcare workers, then again, I think even though we may have um, larger than expected waves, at least there's a degree of preparation. But as you can see in, in countries such, such as India, you can have overwhelmed systems if you, if you are not ready. So I think that that's the primary concern that we, we do have. Now, in terms of trying to prevent worst-case scenarios, uh, for instance, a country like South Africa, um, where we're seeing daily numbers of new cases now above 5,000, and uh, vaccination programs are moving but not at a fast enough pace. Um, You're seeing countries like Zimbabwe, where reports are that um, they might be running out of the vaccine. And then we have countries like Tanzania and Chad that have not started their vaccination programs. And then we go globally even further, where we have um, Europe, for instance, now start embarking on their program of uh, vaccinating teenagers, which uh, the U.S. has already done. And countries um, on a continent like Africa not having started because of access to vaccines. What do we say to that? Yeah, it's a very difficult um, scenario. I'm hoping that you know all the other efforts through, um, for example, Africa CDC, the COVAX, um, the United States and Europe and so forth coming together to try and ensure that they there is vaccine um, donations that will um, at least spur on these particular programs. But in the absence of that, I'm afraid we're still going to have to focus on those non-pharmaceutical interventions.